And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett. Fucking camera in the truck. Welcome everybody to the Live on Four Legs Live Pearl Jam Podcast Experience. You are listening to episode 21. This show can drink, folks. We are legal. We're going to get drunk tonight. <laughs> Hells yeah. going to get drunk in Barcelona. That sounds like a fantastic idea. I'm sure we're not the first ones. In Barcelona, in Stratford, Connecticut, and Smithtown. New yeah. York. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know how much sense that makes, but you know, we we do we do a little bit of time travel here on this show. If you if you've uh, if you're tuning in for the first time, this is uh, kind of what we do. We 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 turn back in the clock to go to old shows to revisit them and break them down, listen to them, and and enjoy them or crit- critique them for what they are. Um, and since we're, since this is our 21st episode, you know, uh, uh, you never know who's, who's gonna come in for the first time. So I figured I'd just kind of reintroduce ourselves. Uh, I'm Randy, that Matt, and, uh, we decided to do this podcast back in September because we think that Pearl Jam is the best live band on the absolute planet. And, uh... It's been a fun, fun ride so far, and we have a lot more shows that we're really interested in covering in the future. Uh, but today is going to be 1996 Barcelona. This is a no-code tour, which, you know, we we haven't touched up on the no-code tour yet, but we've done a lot of no-code stuff because we did Moline. So this it's not unfamiliar. When you do Moline, you kind of... Uh... You can't avoid no code, can you? Oh, well, the Moline <laughs> is no code. It's uh, pretty impossible. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, I guess it's a little different because it's the era. And, uh, you know, they're they're kind of playing these songs for, you know, not the first time, but like the first couple times. Um, and you kind of get the sense of uh, where they like things in sets at the time. And I think those are things that we'll talk about. But... Um, one of the things that this show is uh, why highly regarded for is its sound check that we'll talk about. Um, and uh, I think there's a lot to talk about there. Uh, before we get into any of that, I just want to apologize 
to anyone that had to listen to my really shitty mic last week. Um, I uh, there's a default setting on Audacity that you know, and I, I say this stuff because you know, of course, you know what I'm talking about. But there was a default setting that that um, it goes to that doesn't connect with my mic, and sometimes if I don't look at it. It gives me a really bad sound. So hopefully, I, I tested it beforehand. I hope it sounds better today. It's, uh, so I I just wanted to throw that out there to begin with. You seem to be coming through a lot clearer on my end. So I think we're good to go. Great. Great to hear. That's, uh, and, you know, through Skype, it's tough to tell. But, you know, we'll, uh, we'll get down to it at some point. All right. Um. Anything before going into the show that you want to touch up on that you kind of want to prepare people for or, you know, not really. No, this is, uh, this show is, is, is pretty, uh, as we said before we started recording, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, I think this is going to be a, an easy one to break down. And I think, I think after people marathoned our three and a half hour episode last week with our oh fantastic boy. guest, <laughs> which actually turned out to be one of my favorite episodes, strangely, um, uh, I think this is going to be a nice little palate cleanser for some people. It's not going to be too in depth, too detailed. It's not going to be overly criticized or critiqued because it's a it's a pretty straightforward show, and I'm I'm excited to get into it and uh, not overthink it this time. I think. <laughs> Yeah, I you know, that's always um look, I think the first couple of episodes what this is what the fourth or fifth episode that we've done in 2019 now. Um and we've kind of gone back and forth. Uh, I've been really liking doing this and I I'd like to do it every every week if we could if we could do one week where it's just us and then the next week where we have a guest and and we get a totally different perspective and it's going to help us in the weeks where we don't have guests and kind of uh give a lot of callbacks which i think today we're gonna we are gonna do a lot of callbacks today to last week's episode and other episodes so if you remember things that we've discussed in those episodes then um you know keep keep those in mind for later uh but you know, uh, this is something that we're tackling. This was, it's, it's a difficult one in the sense of it's always going to be difficult when you have like a 90s show that's international and, you know, when, when, I, when you're looking for stories and, and thoughts and things like that, um, not everybody, you know, you're not going to find a lot of people that are just rolling around the internet from Barcelona that went to the show. Um, so it's a little, it's a little difficult to get that perspective. And also this isn't available on YouTube. So we don't have the visual aspect of it, which is really important and something that sometimes I think we might overlook. Um, at least I do. I know Matt, you're really good about watching the YouTube videos, but sometimes I, I like, I try to listen a lot more than I do watch, but um, I think that that'll come into play in this episode a little bit, not having the visual aspect. And uh, um, really, it's it's just an era that, you know, it, it's, I don't want to say it's a dead era for the band, but man, you know, they did not play a lot of shows this year uh, in tour for, for No Code. It was, it was obviously the Ticketmaster band, uh, 
uh, was in full effect and they couldn't play a lot of different venues. Um, and so half their, I, I, I would say they played about 30 to 40 shows this year and, um, half were in the U S and half were overseas and, and it really didn't take until, uh, 1998 before they did a real full, full on tour again. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's different than what we're used to today. And I think that that's other stuff that we'll get into. Yep, definitely. So, all right, let's, uh, let's kick it off then. Um, like we said before, this show is known mainly for its, uh, historic soundtrack and we, we touched up on it last week. We kind of talked about uh, with Patrick that um, he was listening to the sound check a little bit um, and heard Eddie doing some solo stuff. And then we kind of mentioned that they did do Don't Give Me No Lip during during it, but he wasn't in the arena uh, while that was happening. So for this, what if you're in the arena when you're hearing all this and you're thinking, whoa, what can we get at this show? There's some amazing stuff that's going on. And even stuff at the time where you have no idea what it is, including the first thing that happens in the sound check. Um, they kick off the sound check with a song that wasn't recorded until four years later on Binaural, uh, Parting Ways. And uh, let's play a little bit of it. Um you know, obviously it's a sound check. It's not the best quality, but I think it gets the job done. I think you're, you'll be able to, you know, tell what it is and, and listen to it. It's really tough to be able to tell what the lyrics are, but I, I can almost assure you that the lyrics are not the same as they are today. So let's, uh, let's take a listen to Parting Ways and then we'll talk about it for a second. Uh, 
again, it's it's difficult to tell what lyrics he's singing in this, and I don't know if it's if it's improv. I don't know what the you know when he wrote the song or uh, if this was something that he came up with in the hotel the night before. But it does kind of sound like improv a little bit. Yeah, and I really like the idea of going out on stage and playing new songs during soundcheck. It'll be a couple of years, of course, like you said, but he could write lyrics on the bus. He could write lyrics in the hotel and he could write lyrics when they're, when they're playing the song, whether it be, like I said, in the hotel room or on the bus and acoustic. But I think it's a really cool thing to go out on stage during a soundcheck and say, oh, we have that new tune. Why don't we jam on it really quick? Let's see how it sounds. Full band, full electric and we can get a, a sense of whether it should be this way, it should be that way, should it be stripped down, should we add rhythm guitar, should we add more leads to it, because there's only so much you could do with a song when you're playing acoustic guitars, when you're traveling from country to country or state to state to, to play shows. So I think it's cool that it, it, it you're right, it sounds like it's it's there, you know, the song is there, and it took it took a while for them to get it out, and they could have released it as a single or a B-side because that's what Pearl Jam is known for doing, but they waited to release it. And maybe it just maybe it went through rewrites. Maybe it needed work. Maybe they were never 100% happy with it. But I like the idea of doing it in soundcheck because you could hear it in different ways. Yeah, and, you know, it, 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 it's not... It's not... It doesn't boggle my mind that it wasn't on Yield because it doesn't fit on Yield. Right. But... What boggles my mind is that they were able to do this in a sound check in 1996 and then take almost a replica of this version and record it uh, in 2000 or 99, whenever they actually was the actual recording year. Um, but it just seems, how do they get that magic back? That That's, you know, do they have this recording? Do they listen to it over and over again? They say, okay, that's... You know, we felt that magic that night. We want that back. I, that's one of those things that it it intrigues and puzzles me a little bit. But um, they could have just kept losing interest in it too. I, I you know what? I'm gonna get I'm gonna get my facts wrong because I'm not a hundred percent sure. It was I want to say it was Here Comes the Sun, but I think that song had been written way earlier, and it it had. I think it had almost made it on to a couple Beatles albums, and I don't think they were giving it the credit that it was going to receive, and especially, you know, since it turned out to be you know, one of the best Beatles songs ever written. Maybe it was like that. Maybe they just kept shuffling it along, and or, or they weren't happy with the way it was going, and then, you know, by the time they were ready to record it, maybe they thought, finally, this is exactly where it should go. It, I don't know. I'd love, I'd love to know. It's very interesting when you hear a song played so far in advance of it being recorded and released. You want to know why, right? And I think we've uh, we've seen that scenario a couple times, especially during the Versus tour, where they were doing stuff like uh, um, Whipping and Better Man at the time, and Satan's Bed. They were really Immortality was played in Boston at the Orpheum. They were really playing a lot of that early stuff. And, you know, you were able to see some of those songs, you were able to see the changes. It's like how Better Man had that fluid drum beat throughout it the whole time. It kind of changed throughout time a little bit. Um, and once they got to recording, they kind of, they changed it up, although the song had been written at the time. It's, um, 
you know, and there were other other ones that kind of had, you know, been written and and maybe even unchanged. Uh, Red Mosquito, when we heard that on a very early version uh, of a show in 95, before No Code came out, it didn't really sound too much different. Um, Lucan didn't, you know, it wasn't as fast or as raucous, but um, it it pretty much stayed the same. So, um, interesting how they decide to implement and add and and tinker with things and uh you know it's good that it's good that parting ways did find find its way onto an album because you know there are so many times that they can do improvs and uh you know all different things that they could write that might not make it anywhere might not even make it to a demo yeah but you know it's Pearl Jam and their their minds and their their methods are all over the place. You never know. I mean, if you told me Future Days was supposed to be on Yield, I might believe you. It, you never you never know. You know what? Um, one last thing on it. I think that they could have probably played it that night and it would have sounded okay. Yeah, you know because it like like you were saying with the other songs, Better Man the way it had been played. I don't think it would have been as good as it came out. It was it was very, uh, I'd say, pedestrian. It, it, there was nothing yeah. making it special, so they fixed it, and it sounded. It, it turned out to be great. Um, this was close, though. Same with Luke, and same with Red Mosquito. After Parting Ways uh, finishes up, uh, there's kind of like an instrumental here, and I'm not really sure what's going on. I don't know if they do. Um, it sounds kind of like. I don't know, some kind of Primus Les Claypool jam, uh, which was a popular sound at the time, I suppose, but um, it doesn't really sound like the band at all. Um, Kind of experimental. It has a groovy Jack kind of influence on it, and it's a little bluesy, but besides that, that never turned into anything. Maybe the closest thing that you can say that it is is like kind of like Master Slavish. It's probably just a soundcheck jam. Yeah, exactly. Eddie's not singing anything, so it's not like they have anything prepared. So there's really not much to say. Uh, Around the Bend is next in the soundtrack. This is the only song from the soundtrack that they actually play, uh, which is kind of crazy considering what they did do in the soundtrack. Um, It's almost like talking about the soundtrack is saying what they didn't do in this show except for this. Um, only the third time they were play, they would play around the bend that night. Um, and since they've only played it, what, like 16 times in their history, it's, uh, it's pretty obvious that they need to sound check this, even if it's going to sound good. Yeah. I mean, uh, and we'll get to it in the set, of course, but, uh, I would say it was probably a good idea to sound check this. Yeah. And, you know, nothing... You know, nothing wrong with it, but it's, I, I again, I think their their history of being hesitant with it live, I don't know if it's just because uh, it's a tough song to do or if, uh, you know, the band just doesn't have much interest in it, but, you know, even at that time, I'm sure they were a little hesitant by it. Um, then they do what we have in three tracks as, of In My Tree. Uh, it sounds like 
three different checks, but the first one's instrumental and mostly pre-chorus and bridge, and then the second check is really just Jack and Eddie, and it sounds really good. I don't know how you felt about that. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting to listen to because it was, it was, it is one of my favorite songs to hear live. It's got this uh, feel to it that's really cool, especially when the when the drums are on point and when when Jeff is mixed well. Uh, In my tree is is a song that stands out uh, on the rhythm side of the spectrum to me, and I love hearing it. So it, it's interesting. It's it's disappointing that it didn't make it onto the set list. I think it could have worked somewhere. Absolutely, yeah. I think In My Tree could go anywhere. Uh, I don't care where you put it. Just play it. <sighs> yeah, they played a ton of songs from the album. Uh, on this show it was mostly no code and, and i mean it's going to be because that's what they're touring for at the time but but that is weird that that out of the 13 in my tree was le- left off yeah um i would have expected something like i don't know uh maybe a habit to be left off if if there's one of them i know habit was popular at the time because yeah that's 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 definitely the one that i would swap it's so interesting though how sometimes we'll get only a few songs off of a new album three you know maybe this is almost uh, an entire no code show i I mean the whole almost almost a whole other album show with it not being in order yeah and um there's actually a show i don't know if it was the first show of uh 96 but there is a show where they basically start off the first four songs sound like they're going to do the whole album. They start off by doing Sometimes in a Hell Hell into Who You Are into In My Tree, and then they do, like, Red Mosquito into uh, Lucan into something else, and basically they play every song except for I'm Open. But, um, you know, almost all of them are bunched together, kind of... Kind of like that uh, Irving Plaza show with Avocado. Yeah. I wonder if it was a an album, uh, you know, oh, album debut show or something like that. But yeah, I, I'm. I don't know. I'm conflicted. I think that if it's a new album, you. It depends on your feelings about the album, especially if it's a new album and and the band that you're going to see is like through their seventh or eighth album or something like that. But, um, I, you know, I think there was, like we talked about in Grand Rapids, there was a lot of fatigue from people that went to all those shows and saw, like, the five avocado show- songs right. that they would open up their set with. You you can get fatigue from that. So, you know, I, sometimes, it, sometimes it can work, sometimes it doesn't. I think... I think if you're not doing the full album and it's not obvious that you're doing the full album, you might need to change it up just a little bit. Yeah. To, you know, keep keep people engaged and interested. So especially those that aren't going there for the album or something. I don't know. But that's not really what happened in this case. Uh, let's continue on with the sound check. Uh, this was another one of the big three in the soundtrack that's really, you know, important is uh, hard to imagine. And this was checked during a time where the song was in the middle of a hiatus 
uh, early on. It was used a handful of times as a teaser riff until they finally busted it out in 1994. But from 94 to 98, they didn't play it from the end of 94. I think it was 133 shows layoff. So at the time when you're getting bootlegs and the Orpheum was a popular bootleg and that's kind of probably one of the ones that made hard to imagine so uh, uh, such a popular commodity and, and, and lovable song, uh, they bring it back here for soundcheck and that's one of, it's probably one of the only other recordings that people have of this song. So they play it for about 15 minutes or so and some of it sounds really good and really jammy. I want to play something from it. Um, there's no vocals until about six minutes in, so I don't know, Matt. What was your favorite part from this? I don't know if I really had a favorite part, only because I didn't think the the quality of it was that great, being soundcheck. Uh, I was skipping around in it a lot. So Why don't we play a little bit without the vocals? A little bit of the jammy part? Yeah, a little bit of the jammy part, because I think... I think that part's the fun part. Jamming in the jammies. <laughs> this was the first time that they had played this uh well technically it hadn't been played but they hadn't played it since the orpheum show in 94 so they would bring it back again in 98 and uh you know again a hot commodity and i think that's half the reason why this sound check was so popular and passed around on the bootleg circuit because you know this when you see Hard to Imagine, you're thinking, oh, crap, I, I don't have a version of this song. Um, I, I need this. I want this. And bootlegs at the time were about 60 bucks, So that kind of sucks. But, uh, you know, now 
now you get it on the internet for free and you get to listen to a podcast for free that that has it so hopefully you didn't waste the money on it then and you have wonderful people like john farrar that's 100 percent true i hope he didn't spend <laughs> 60 bucks on it because i'm sure his uh his recording was the same recording that i got from it so um anything else on this uh, on hard to imagine? No, I don't think so. Okay, it again more of a jam than a sound check. They didn't end up doing it, but um, you know, it. I don't know why they shied away from it for so long, but it's uh, you know, it does sound like there's some messing around in the middle of it, as almost as if they're trying to relearn it again. But um, you know, glad to have it back years later and it's still a song that hasn't really been back for a while uh it didn't get played in 2018 so we'll see if it pops up again this year if they pop up again this year um more soundcheck stuff goes in the garden and it sounds like they were laboring through it a little bit they don't end up doing it obviously so it's tough to tell whether this version made them sound like they were feeling it. Um, I got really nothing on it. It didn't sound like they were feeling it, so good decision to leave it off. Yeah, I've mentioned before that I don't, I don't care for Garden recorded, but uh, it, it, it definitely can be a high point of the night live, and uh, this was not the case. So it was a sound check version. I don't think they were really trying to make it what it is how or how it normally is live which is usually uh really spectacular so yeah that, that's about it i'm, I'm kind of glad I, I don't really i don't really know where it would have gone in this set either so I, I have no problems with it being off it's a little tough uh you would have to get rid of something like uh off he goes in that spot or something like that that was really the only true downtime that they had the true cool down so um, you know, it's, you're right. It doesn't really fit, but you know, it, it's good that they realized that at that point and then went into a different direction. Uh, they would go from garden into doing leaving here and anytime they have even an inkling that they want to play this check with it, sound check it because there are too many times that they've had difficulty playing it live where they need to figure out the song right before they play it. Uh, leaving here, leave it off is is my motto. So ah, I know you don't like it. <laughs> it's it's quick enough. It has it has some fun parts to it. I'm fine with it. Just fucking get it right. That's all I'm saying. Just get it right. Uh, and then we're closing out this sound check with "I'm Open." Um, and again, I think that this, you don't have a lot of versions of I'm Open at the time. I don't think they really played it. I, I'm not sure if they played it at all in 96. I'm going to have to go back and check in a sec. Um, it is worth the discussion because this goes on for about 10 to 12 minutes, but it's not this otherworldly version of this song that you're never going to hear Again, it's just being soundchecked, and it's the same thing. It's kind of exactly what you hear live if they play it live today. So um, to prove that point, and since we said last week that if they do 12 minutes, we're going to play all 12 minutes, <laughs> that we'll play like 
one or two minutes. Yeah, I, I think we have to renege on that. <laughs> yeah, uh, we want people to continue listening to this. Um, we'll we'll play it because this is this is a talking point. This is one of the more popular things about this this sound check. So uh, here is a shortened down version of a 12 minute version of I'm Open. So, uh, checking the stats out, um, they used it for the first time as an intro in 1998 in Brisbane, uh, and then the first time they actually played it was Hartford in 2006, so, yeah, this is the only version that you're getting of this in 1996, and that's why it's a hot commodity on on bootleg, so people just want to hear what they do with it live because it's a weird song on the album and you're sort of thinking to yourself is this something they can play live because at the time they didn't play bugs they didn't play you know all of the weird weird vitality tracks um so really i i think people i think it just piqued people's interest at the time because they just wanted to know what it sounded like and uh really it didn't sound like much yeah, uh, you know, I think a lot of people were blowing up this sound check, and and my whole thing about it is that, yeah, it's it's Pearl Jam, and sometimes their sound checks are are pretty cool, but they use them to say, oh, okay, that sounded like shit. We're not going to add it to the set list, or this one turned out pretty well. Maybe we should add it. This one definitely did have some some interesting uh, uh, surprises, but I mean, just treat it like a regular set list. If you look at it. Uh, sorry, treat it like a regular sound check because if you if you look at these songs, they're all really good songs to sound check with. They're uh, all over the place musically wise. They have different sounds. They have different lengths. Around the bend, I can understand because they wanted to add it to the set, obviously, so they went over it. But you know, songs like "Hard to Imagine," "Garden," "Leaving Here," they, they're different. "I'm Open," "Going for That Long," you know, "Hitting in My Tree" a few times. When you're sound checking, sometimes the best thing to do is maybe jam on something for 12 minutes. You could do that with a song like I'm Open. I don't think it needs to be blown out of proportion. Like, what does this mean? What does this mean? It doesn't mean anything. It means that they were trying to sound check and they wanted to jam on something for a little while. Uh, I, I think really that's all it is. Uh, being somebody that sound checks all the time, sometimes it takes that long and sometimes it doesn't. So uh, I was a little disappointed to listen back onto the sound check when I heard how popular it was. And I'm sure back in the day it was... It was a little bit more of a of a hot button topic because it it definitely is strange when you look at it. But going back to it, it's it's really not that uh, incredible or or wild or crazy. It just seems like they were taking a good amount of time to sound check uh, some songs, and that, that's really all it is to me. I'm I'm not really looking into it that far. It is good to look at it through a historic uh, microscope, though, because. 
Um, we can sit here now and say, well, hard to imagine is played every now and again in parting ways is, you know, it's on binaural. So it's not like the song that never, ever showed up again. Uh, well, yeah, no, uh, parting ways that, that is definitely cool. Uh, I will say that. that that's really cool. But I'm open leaving here, stuff like that. Sound check the songs that maybe you might want to play eventually. I'm open. Of course, we, we know how that went, but. It was just on your album. Maybe it is a good idea to jam on it for a little bit because who knows? You might want to throw it in. And if you don't rehearse it somewhere, then it's going to be a song that you never, ever play because you don't feel confident in it. So use the sound check to do whatever you want. I don't think it needs to be read into that deeply. What I will what I will say is, is that even at that time, all it was was just... I'm open, I'm open, I'm open, and and that was it. Um, what I think I was expecting from this, because this was in 1996, was that we were going to get more of an album version uh, on this soundtrack, that he was going to say, you know, the man with the room with no doors or something like that, whatever that whole spiel is. I, I, I don't think I've listened and cared enough about the album version. Uh to remember it yeah <laughs> you know it's, it's just kind of there and i think for a long time that actually affected my enjoyment of around the bend because i would just stop after i don't know man, mankind is before that so i would just stop after mankind um yeah so uh, you know but again it's not one of their ultra popular songs but at the time People just want to know how it sounds, and they want to. Right. I think, I think a lot of Pearl Jam people like owning things. A lot of yeah, fans like absolutely. owning things, and uh, I'm. I understand because I'm very much a collector. So, uh, if bootlegs and songs and 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 saying to a friend in line at GA like, "Hey, I have this bootleg with I'm open on it," when they were sound checking, and that friend. You know, AOL dial-up isn't didn't come to his town yet in 1996, so he's probably saying, "Oh, cool! I've never heard of that before." Okay, like that's that's fine for 1996, 1997, but we're in the age of the internet where nothing goes unnoticed. So it's looking back on it is is what I mean to say throughout this this whole thing is that is that I don't think it needs to be picked apart and and uh thought about like well what does this mean what did it mean at the time what what are they doing it could be because they're playing it and maybe mike's levels aren't right maybe jeff can't hear himself they keep going with this jam they want to adjust monitors they want to do whatever whatever it is just because it happens to be i'm open i think people might have thought there was this whole like design plan behind it or something it could be as easy as like jack's like I can't hear Stone, you know, fix this. Yeah. yeah. So that they get fickle sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's just my just from doing sound checks myself. I I've jammed on some stupid songs for way longer than I needed to because the keyboard player needed something in his ears or something. So I, I just try not to look look at it too in depth, you know. It's just a sound check to me to be honest. I hate to sound bitter like that, but um I like to, you know, uh, that's just, maybe it's just because I don't care about I'm open, it, whether it's 
sound check for 12 minutes or if it's never played ever. <laughs> I would be concerned if a lot of people did. Um, <laughs> so, all right, we, uh, we're done with the sound check now and, uh, we got a show to cover in Barcelona. Uh, um, the band enters on stage to this kind of moving drum beat that sounds something straight out of a, uh, Jack Iron solo record. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's a fun way to enter. It's it's something a little different, and uh, I don't know if they were entering to intros that much at the time. It's something we don't we haven't really talked about because uh, sometimes it's it's not the biggest focus, so you sort of lose that idea. But um, you know, this sounded good. It sounded good to walk on stage too. Yeah. Uh, Opening up with Wash, they we covered it last week. We didn't listen to it. We are going to listen to it this week. But I just want to uh, point out that we did make a mistake on one of our early episodes. I think at one point I had mentioned that Wash hadn't been played in Europe before 2012. But clearly that this is that's wrong. Um, it this was the last time they played it in Europe before 2012. So I think that we just kind of got our uh, our facts a little confused. So it was a 14-year layoff from this until Amsterdam, which is a long time. Don't get me wrong. That, that, that's a long time. Uh, you know, um, especially Amsterdam and, and Barcelona are not really next-door neighbors, so uh, I think I just read the wrong thing from wherever I had read it from, but that I am I am just pointing out that we uh, we can make mistakes, and uh, we are quick to correct ourselves when we fuck up, even if that was way back in September, October. But also, close enough. Yep, close <laughs> enough. Uh, Alright, let's, uh, let's kick it off. Uh, if you remember, we talked about it a little bit. Uh, we said it started off a little timid, a little slow, slower than usual. But I think this version starts off a lot more straightforward and uh, it ends just as well. Um, a little blip in the lyrics late in the, at the end, but um, doesn't really take much away from it. And it was it was a good opener. Great opener. One of my favorite openers. Um, sounded good. Yeah, it sounded like they just went out and played it like like uh like the recording and 
like you said last week, there was a bit more of a build and it was a little bit more exciting. This one wasn't as exciting, I guess, because there wasn't that uh, crawl to this to this bigger ending. But I mean, hey, it's still a great opener. I, I can't I can't discredit that. So I, I, yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's it sounds good, and you know, I think that it goes to show that we can point out these differences uh, in the way that some things are performed sometimes, even if they're little nuances. Uh, that show up that we can kind of tell nowadays. So I, I, I like that Wash kind of came back around this week that we were able to, to compare and contrast it. Um, it goes in the last exit, and this kind of kicks off a little section here. I think it, this is really, to me, it's kind of a three-song section and then kind of gets a transitional song into another section, and we'll get into that. Uh, but this little section here kicks off with last exit. Um, just, you know, we discussed this last week too about how much different songs are played uh, from the 90s version to the 2000s version. And I think we talked about Blood, we talked about Porch, we talked about Not For You, how they were just like grittier and angrier. And um, I'm starting to realize that last exit is kind of in that boat too. Uh, the way he screams and kind of belts out the lyrics uh, instead of nowadays he's a little bit cleaner and he kind of sings a little more. Um, you know, maybe he didn't care about uh, how his voice had to sound later in the night or it was just a maturing process, but that's kind of that's kind of how I saw it last exit in this. And, and I think... I like Last Exit to be a little cleaner, to be honest with you. I think it just, I know it's kind of a gritty song to begin with, but I, I, I just, I like when it's kind of sung and not, not scrimped, screamed. Scrimmed it. Screamed it. Yeah, uh, no, I. I <laughs> and that's a live on four legs vocabulary. <laughs> I agree with that. I agree with basically everything you said. It, it, what I don't like is where he would get super gritty and 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 scream screamity in songs where it didn't need it. Yeah, that was that was never that was never one of my favorite things. But but does this one need it? What, okay, so need is tough. That's that's a tough word. I don't think it does it thrive from it. I don't think it ruins it because okay, I, I feel like a lot of the times where he is screaming and getting gritty, like I said on songs that doesn't need it, it'll get away from him. And he'll go off key or he'll start losing it and he'll lose the voice midway through. And it just it's sloppy. But uh, this doesn't have that. This one stays on track. And I think that's OK. I, th I think it gets the the pass for me on that one because because it, it does work. I mean, I do like it cleaner, uh, but, but it doesn't ruin the song uh, like like how he used to. You know, uh, he'd he'd sing like blood in corduroy like that to me did not work. This one's OK because he keeps on track. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, as I, I don't hate when he scre screams things, uh, but it's just not my preferred way of listening to it. And maybe that's just kind of the uh, growing up and, and going to shows and hearing this a, a certain way and getting accustomed to it rather than there could be people that have gone to shows in the 90s that were going to shows in 94, 95 that heard the song and thought, you know, 
this is how it's meant to be heard. But right. um, no, there there was nothing wrong with it. They the band was fine. They were they were tight during it, and uh, I think Mike shined. Yeah, this. yeah, Mike shined. Uh, it's great in the number two spot, especially because they obviously want to kick things off early here, which is awesome, which is very 1996. And um, the transition from Wash at the end is awesome. The uh, uh, Jack keeps going on the drums. It, it goes flawlessly in, into Last Exit, which is a little strange to think about, but it it works. <laughs> yeah, no, I, look, it's Last awesome. Exit... Last Exit is a great two-hole hitter. It, it gets base hits. It gets on base. It can steal base sometimes. And, uh, you know, it, it just wants... Sometimes you want songs to hit for average and and and, uh, uh, and play well for you and, and not go for go for home runs and go for the RBIs. And I, th- I think if, if we were to make our thousandth baseball reference here, that Last Exit is a perfect traditional two-hole hitter. I know that the two hitter is kind of turned into your RBI guy now, but um, which I'm not really a fan of, but uh, last exit is a traditional two kind of guy. It kind of, you know, if, if wash gets on base, if wash gets a walk or, uh, or, you know, gets a base hit, then you want last exit to, to put in scoring position. So, and I think that's what happens is uh, now hell, hell has the chance to, uh, driving a run, and, and it, does it and drive it a run? It does because that that drum groove is back. Ah, that's my notes too. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the only note I had for it actually because the the uh, performance was really good and and uh, the only thing that stood out to me was that the 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 proper drum pattern is is played and it's played really well. Yeah, um, it sounds, look, uh, we talked about it a lot last week, and I think we've talked about it a couple times now, but um, this is Jack's groove, and Jack kind of finds little, little things to make things stand out, and um, it's not Matt's fault that he plays it more straightforward. It's what he's comfortable playing with, and it doesn't ruin the song per se, but... um, if we're to see the positive perception of it, uh, Jack's version is special and he, it's easy to make him a focal point when you are talking about this kind of version of the song, instead of saying like, wow, hell, hell really sucks nowadays. Cause Jack's not on it. That's not the case. It's just that when you can listen to Jack's version, you can say that's, uh, you know, that's something special that I, you know, wish we could hear a lot more of. Right. And not to discredit Matt Cameron, like you said, Matt Cameron, as as I've listened to this song now a million times, he plays it, you know, pretty much note for note. It's 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 the drum part, but I think a lot of drummers will agree with me that you could play something note for note and it being a different drummer, it is going to be completely different. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter how on beat, on time, on tempo you are it doesn't matter if you are hitting the exact same drums at the exact same time that that Jack did. You're not Jack, so it's not going to be the same. It's a feel thing. It's, it's uh, yeah, and and so yeah, I mean Matt, Matt plays it great. He plays it, you know. I'm sure he plays it note for note uh, at times, but it's it's different. Yeah, uh, completely agree. You know, it's you know, there's no there's no wrong way to ride a bike as long as you're. Uh, 
you know, the pedals keep going and uh, the wheels keep straight. So, does that make sense? That was beautiful. All right, great. I was I, I have I have two awesome comparisons that I'm saving for later, and I'm just warming up because uh, they're they're not ready yet. They're not ready. Well, I'm excited for them. Oh yeah, they're they're good. They're both real good. I'm very proud of them, <laughs> and neither of them have anything to do with baseball. So. Uh, oh great. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get excited. You could you could just fast forward to about I don't know an hour from now if, if you're <laughs> really really excited to hear it. Uh, Animal next, and it's the same combo that was used last week uh, when we talked about that monster opening to the show, and um, we don't really talk about this song and how different it sounds from other songs. We kind of just say you know if we like the spot or if. Uh, if it made sense to play, play it in, in a certain place of a transition. Uh, but I thought that this sounded different because uh, it's very percussion heavy. And I like this song being percussion heavy. Um, you know, the fills really stand out on this during the chorus and the bridge. And uh, that's this, exact, it's just, I was going to say that, that there's a lot of good fills. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, it's good to hear differences sometimes. Again, it's just, it's, more of a Jack Irons appreciation than it is, say, like, Matt, Matt Cameron does it bad. It's just, you know, they're both two different drummers, and you're able to appreciate both in different ways. Yep. You know me with Animal. Earlier, the better, so. Yeah. This I like was, it. This was the spot. Um, I really got... That, that was it. The crowd seemed into it, and... Um, you know, it's a good one to start off with and kind of get going. Um, Eduardo, as I'm going to call him for this show, says, Hola, como estas? Nosotros estamos muy bien. And that's the extent of my Spanish and almost the extent to his, I would think. I would imagine. Yeah. At, at this point, I'm sure he's pretty good when he goes on stage and he has to address the crowd in, you know, in their... Uh, in their language. If he goes to France and he'll speak in French, if he goes to Italy, he'll speak in Italian. He's, he's even spoken in Japanese before. Yeah. Uh, he's good about probably writing things down on, you know, a little sticky note and, you know, doing the like phonetic version of it. Exactly. And, <laughs> you know, like, thank you for having us in Tokyo. And then the crowd goes, yeah. Oh, they said Tokyo. Yay. You know, the, they don't expect him to speak much Spanish here, I would assume. Not in 1996, I would assume no. that too. But um, as we we had mentioned before we started to record that, I don't think he cares now. And he'll just he'll just ramble on no matter where he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think now so many people, you know, who speak English follow all over the place that uh you know his words if he does speak english uh a lot more people will understand what he's saying he's probably a little uncomfortable then because there are probably not a lot of people coming in from america or or even england or ireland that are are going to the show at this time right at least not as many as they would be this year so yeah uh, this goes into Rojo Mosquito, as we like to call it whenever it's being played in Mexico or Spain. Um, 
And it's a real killer version of it that we always just seem to gush over live. Yeah, uh, I, I thought I was going to be conflicted with this spot here, but there's that short pa- uh, short pause right after Animal, and then they hit hard with the Red Mosquito uh, intro there, and the guitar comes in, and the spot feels really good. Feels really good. It does. Uh, I agree with you there. Um, it's not traditional for them. Uh, fifth song in to be doing Red Mosquito sounds kind of like they're going to bed early a little bit or like brushing their teeth a little bit early, but um, I, I thought it worked. I, you know, this is this is out of the play, and we'll get to that in a second. Things that are out of their playbook that maybe other bands would do in certain spots, but they don't usually take advantage of. Um, but really, I think that it's not really part of the opening th- three or four, and it's a trans. It's more used as a transition into the next song. Yeah, I if I, that makes sense. I agree, but I disagree with it being used like that because I listened to the transition here from Animal to Red Mosquito a few times and. I got to tell you, I'm preferring this. Uh, but uh, of course, I'm a big Red Mosquito fan, so my bias is coming through a little bit. But I, I like it. I really like it. I think I it. Do, yeah. I, I think it 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 showcases and spotlights it as it should be. Yeah, and um, you know, maybe it's it's because of the time they want it. They do want to get. You know, there are going to be no code songs in here in almost every spot that you look, but they do want to get more of a the edgy no code songs in early. Um, and although when did they do red mosquito when we were in Boston? Did they um, do that? Did they do that like sixth? Cause that's almost I, the same spot. I thought it was um, earlier because they didn't, they bring out what's his name to play on it. Danny clinch. Yeah. I think, I think it was before even flow, which is not, not the usual. I think the way that I remember it was given a fly animal, save you, uh, arms, aloft, arms aloft, lightning bolt, and then was Red Mosquito after that? It was early. that's essentially the same spot. Or was it Lightning Bolt, I Am Mine, Red Mosquito? Because I Am Mine was early, too. It was like 6-7, I thought. 5-6-7. I thought I Am Mine six, went seven, eight, into maybe. you. Did I Am Mine go into you? Oh, man. Yeah, we're gonna is, have to listen right. to our they, first episode. They again. did do you. That's right. And you was before even flow. You was before even flow. Yeah, that was a really great performance too. Yeah. All right, we'll check. We'll do a fact check for you guys. And yeah, yeah, and and maybe that's why when I was listening to this, I'm like, you know, it doesn't seem like it is the right spot, but it doesn't seem like it's wrong. You know what I'm I saying? To- it, it, I totally agree. Maybe. Maybe it didn't feel wrong because it is exactly what we're used to, and we're just, we're just taken off guard by it here. I'm not sure. Do do you do you want to know how 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 good we did? You want to know how how I, well we had yes, home run? Yes, yes, I would. I would. All right, the first nine songs, Fenway Night Two, were Given Fly, Animal Save You, Arms Aloft, Lightning yeah. Bolt, Red Red Mosquito, I Am Mine You, oh. Even Flow. We oh, fucking it, so, nailed it. So it was Red Mosquito, I Am Mine, You, Even Flow. Yep. Oh, okay. That, yep. You just like scratched an itch that I couldn't reach there because I knew, <laughs> it was, I knew it was somewhere there because I'm like, 
I knew I Am Mine was in its appropriate spot. And that's right. You and Red Mosquito were sandwiched it. Awesome. Okay, good. Great. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, and I'm listening to that show later. I'm, uh, I'm glad I remembered that because I, my initial thought was that Red Mosquito is not in this spot, that it's like after Evenflow or after, you know, kind of like a a pacer later in the set. So it's it's not as rare as we thought, folks. Keep moving on. It goes into who you are, um, which that's kind of who you are. Red Mosquito into who you are isn't like a traditional transition at all, but um, that's kind of why I said Red Mosquito was sort of in its own little section. Yes. Um, but who you are sounds pretty good to me. Um, it feels a little sped up and while it loses a little bit of the kumbaya feel that the song has uh i think i like it better without that you know that tribal kumbaya feel yeah uh i like it really either way because i'm i'm happy to have it it's a favorite of mine i like to hear it and it's usually played pretty well and it, it does come off a little awkward here um, and honestly, I kind of think it comes off a little awkward anywhere it goes. But again, I thought the transition from Red Mosquito uh, into Who You Are is is amazing. There's a, a bunch of points in this set that I would feel like things would work better if they were mixed around. But transitions work better and things that came before it work better. And so this is a tough one. This is a kind of a tough set to rearrange. And I'm going to bring that up again later. And I think this is the first... Uh, example of that to where it sticks out a little bit a little awkward but the transition from red mosquito is is fucking awesome yeah and i think we can kind of start talking about that now the the four songs after red mosquito that are sandwiched in between that and uh habit um i don't i don't know if i love all these songs together in hindsight, especially if they were to do them now, I thought it, I think it'd be really weird. Uh, but from who you are into corduroy into better man on paper is very strange. Yes. Uh, However, it's, it's also sort of strange to listen to as well. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, let, let, We'll sort of sort of start, you know, from the middle there because we, I think who who you are is pretty much uh, we got everything out that we needed to get out on that. Uh, but corduroy after who you are is a little weird because you're sort of getting closer to mid set area, and but it's not. This isn't my. F- favorite spot for corduroy it's not like you're ending a section right it's not like you're beginning a section it it feels weird in the middle what i picked up right away was this has the this has a real true to the album intro yes like it was pulled right from the right from the album and it was cool to hear it was and they played it well um vocals were a little shaky but not nearly as bad as some of the earlier versions that we covered that i i touched on earlier that uh, he's singing in this one. He gets a little gritty in the beginning and then and then sings it. And, and I thought it sounded good. But um, so, yeah, with Red Mosquito and Who You Are before it, though, I don't think this is serving the same purpose as we had last week, where 
this was like an awesome transition into like the next part of the set. I think we had that right. actually the last two weeks where I said last, that's what it was last week. The outro served really well progressing the set, but the intro, I didn't care for where it was. And I wish I could have split the song up into two different parts, but the week before that, it's, it really served as this really great set transition, but with better man following it, this is not hitting the same mark as, as we've had the last two shows. No, yeah, this is definitely the performance is fine. Um, I have nothing wrong with the performance. It's very uh, for corduroys. It's very straightforward. Which um, it's very straightforward. Yeah, yeah. There's no flavor in it. It's um, it's maybe vanilla with a little bit of chocolate chip or cookie dough or something like that. But it's I feel like they they and I, and like I said, I I think sometimes when it transitions a set. I think it does work well. It's definitely like a song two or three for me if I had to pick, which we have picked. But they seem to get into this habit of, of throwing corduroy in this seven, eight spot sometimes. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't work, it's like you just wasted a corduroy. I don't wanna I don't wanna put it before Red Mosquito. I don't really wanna put it after Red Mosquito, but maybe Better Man just needs to be moved. Right. Well, and this is what I was that, saying. With, that's that's what's bothering. Oh, be, oh better man, one hundred percent needs needs to be moved. It's what I was saying with trying to rearrange this set. This is another example. Is that Red Mosquito and Who You Are actually worked really well together? And I thought Animal Red Mosquito worked really well together. But then Corduroy comes up, and it's like, well, where does this go? How do I move this around? Because it's not really working after Red Mosquito. It's not really working after Who You Are. But are you going to put Who You Are after Corduroy? It's this gets a little no. shaky around the spot. You can't. There's, yeah, there's you can't not, do it. You can't do. You and, put your, you put yourself in a, a bit of a hole there. Exactly. You know, uh, do you go from corduroy into off he goes? See, I understand. Like that's I at eh. least getting further into the set though. Later on, I do understand Better Man here. You, you know, you could, you could hit him with a hit song early if you wanted to. And I actually, <laughs> to be honest with you, doesn't Daughter fit a little better than Better Man here? Yeah, but it, it does. Uh, I think it does. And I think that would have worked better after Corduroy, too. We'll get to Daughter, because I think, I think Daughter works well where it is in its own little block as well. So Yeah, uh, I had completely forgot that Daughter was played at the show, but I think I made one note on it. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, so, but Better Man's weird in its, in its, own, in its own right here, too. Not even just placement. It's, it's, uh, I have one word for it. What? P- pedestrian it i think we're going to be using that word a lot, a lot straightforward right, pedestrian average yeah. uh, i thought most of the songs sounded good i just had this one small critique being a bass player but jeff starts playing it immediately and he's playing the lower octave instead of the higher one like he does on the album and it's it's kind of just muddy and sloppy and I, i'm so glad that they found a better way to build this song live uh, both musically and with placement. So that's a small, stupid critique. I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't even notice that. But like I've said, being a bass player, it's the first thing I hear. Well, let, let's let's see if they can, because this was actually on my list of songs to play, because I knew we were going to talk about it. Okay. I'm into that. We haven't, Yeah, I don't think we've played Better Man in a, ever? <laughs> uh, maybe, in a long time? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but I think... I think it's 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 tough to play because we I think a lot of people know how it's going to sound and and especially if we're doing a version from 2014, 
uh, you know how Better Man's going to sound, but a 1996 version, I think it's good to... Uh, we did play Better Man, by the way. We played the like the first or second performance of it. Okay. Atlanta. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. So we we've we've given it its uh its due time, but um yeah, why don't we play this? See if you can listen to what Matt was saying about the muddy bass. Um, it, it's something I was I was able to kind of pick up on something a little bit, but not really not really put into words what it is. But see see if you guys are able to kind of pick up what Matt's saying here. I think it's important from a musician standpoint that uh, we sort of prove a point because I know you guys aren't listening to a bootleg while we're talking to the, talking about this. So we just want to uh, let you kind of into the world here, um, so to speak. So uh, let's, let's hear what Matt was talking about with this. Go back to what you originally were saying again about yeah, you know, you know, Jeff plays it lower on the bass, and what it's doing is it's making it sound full. But what we know of Better Man to to be now, you want that intro to breathe. You don't want it to sound like just another song that they're playing through. You want it to be a a song that you play with the band from your seat. You know, and yeah. everyone holds back until it's. It's almost the opposite of what they of what they started out with, where it was just a, a a regular song, and then they pulled it back and they made it this build up, and that's still the case here. But Jeff is playing through it still, like he does on the album, and it's just different. And now they pull it back even more, and they, you know, they all come in mid song, and and it's a crowd participation thing in the beginning. So it, it just kind of leads into the whole evolution of this song over the course of the years and what it what it is today. And it's really cool to see a song not really change. They don't really change the song. It's just changed enough to where now it's this like we've said before, it's this kind of spectacle. It's this epic moment in a show. Yeah, you and, know, and, and here it's just they're they're just kind of playing a song. You know what I mean? Right. The the pedestrian uh, definition that we used before. Uh, the the way I kind of see it though is is that Better Man is not supposed to be a cool down, and I don't I, I can't figure out, especially going into Off He Goes, I can't figure out if 
this is what their in- intention with it is if it's supposed to transition into a cooldown or start a cooldown because it feels like it is almost starting to cool down mid yeah but it it ends big like it usually does and maybe they thought you know it being a little bit earlier in the in the better man years maybe they thought the momentum was going to carry over after corduroy but it it kind of doesn't yeah it's It's, just it's, it's very delicate i think look hindsight hindsight kills you know all all different perceptions of this and and you know we're, we're spoiled uh 13 years later uh 13 23 years later good fucking god <laughs> what year is uh, it i don't know what year it is now barely know um 23 years later essentially and we're you know we're treated to so many different aspects of their live show now that it's easy to kind of say that corduroy better man together is just not 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 great but back then i i don't know the specifics of this but um this could have been something that they were doing uh every couple shows who who knows yeah i mean and and it's it's not that better man can't get moved around it just has to be appropriate with what comes before and after it like in in Wrigley Field with 2016. I mean, it was like, what, number four? But yeah. it was because the, the 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 opening of the set, it worked. It worked well. It, it went into it nicely. And that isn't really the case here, unfortunately. Next week, we're going to actually touch up on, on that a little bit, not to get ahead of ourselves. But um, there are two songs that are played within the first four that, like, stand... On paper, I haven't listened to the show yet. They, on paper, they stand out to me like a sore freaking thumb. You know, I'm not going to judge a book by its cover here. I'm, I'm going to wait until you know we get our hands on the show. It Definitely. does seem like a pretty good set list. So, yeah. Uh, you know, but I like that it's a little bit different. You know, uh, but again, I think that's a little bit. That's a little bit getting uh, getting a little too ahead of ourselves here. Uh, <laughs> All right, so this is the real cooldown. Off he goes. Uh, this is kind of where I'm saying here that the band wouldn't play Off He Goes in this spot nowadays. Um, this is, I don't, I, this is a different kind of cooldown for them. I, I feel like a lot of other bands would do like the mid set cool cooldown where they'll do like two or three of their you know, completely quiet songs and they'll either go acoustic or, or whatnot. And I, I don't have a great example of that. Maybe, you know, the chili peppers mid set playing, I could have lied or something like, like that. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, but I don't, this is not something that they do in this spot. If it's, if it is, a cooldown. It's usually a sing-along cooldown. It's a, a elderly woman, uh, you know, something around or nothing man, something around those likes. But off he goes. Can be a sing-along, but typically isn't. Yeah, uh, this is. I don't prefer it here. In this part of the set, I don't really prefer it in this in set one. But uh, again, uh, happy to have it. Uh, the end of Better Man, like I mentioned, was pretty charged. So. 
uh, it does work here for that to cool it down a little bit. It was more of of better man not really keeping the momentum out of corduroy that I was having the problem with, and maybe uh, you know that that could be rolling over into off he goes for you. That better man could have you know just soured the 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 moment, and I, I kind of feel that way too. But yeah, I mean, I thought it sounded good. I'm not a I'm not a fan of the studio version, but I absolutely adore the song live and uh and uh yeah a weird place but uh, i'm glad i'm glad it's here i don't necessarily think that better man and off he goes didn't work i think that it's just and it wasn't even a problem it was just a you know just kind of a critique that that it's not something that they would typically do right right the um sort of hit into a real cool down early here uh unless it came after something that wasn't better man in the middle of a set one you know it's uh right that's another thing because i you know what i would I can't even i can't even think of anything else that, I, that, would, I know. that it would follow i mean i would take it it's not where i would prefer it but i think it would definitely be cool to see and it would be unexpected but yeah better man is kind of uh it kind of threw everything off here a little bit a little strange yeah i i agree it's 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 They'll get, they'll, we'll kind of get back into it, and they, they do kind of bring it back a little bit. Um, it, the, the, the set's pretty steady the whole way through, but this is, this was the one lump, lump in the throat that I thought that just wasn't <laughs> quite what I would have wanted or expected. But you know, hearing it live, I would have been okay with it. I'm sure. Um, Ed intros the next song by saying "Ritual de lo habitual." Do you know what that is? The Jane Addiction's album. Oh, I, I I don't like Jane's Addiction. Never did. Oh, all right. Yeah. I I'm not. I know the album. That's like all I really know of theirs. But um, I never hated it. So I think Perry Farrell is a little too much for me. But I actually think he's a bit of a genius. But <laughs> I don't. I don't like Jane's Addiction. Yeah, I forget. I forget who it was that that thought that like said that they met. Perry Farrell and thought he was a weird dude. Yeah, I know. I met him at a Lollapalooza. He was just walking around, totally Maybe. weird, eccentric. Yeah, okay. But Jane's Addiction is one of those bands where it's like I can't believe like there's a band where they have so many singles that I or that are also some of my least favorite songs of all time. <laughs> like, well, like Jane, I, Jane says, like I, all you, their singles, I I I hate them. I hate him. Mountain song? You hate mountain song? I do. I don't. I, that song really? is grating oh, to me, man. Oh, come on. It's like nails on a chalkboard. I like mountain song. I don't like any of it. Wow. All right. As the years go on, Dave Navarro just, he, he looks like a fucking Chinese geisha. It's like, <laughs> it's insane. He's, man, out of all the musicians that you thought wouldn't fall as far as they did, man, he fell pretty pretty far i it always surprises me when i see him playing guitar like i assumed he forgot how to play guitar like years ago yeah like he was like i'm done it, he just doesn't seem like the guy that plays guitar anymore you know he does so so many other things now that associating him with with a band is weird you know he doesn't fit the role anymore right uh, i'm gonna show my age here but uh he's not still married to carmen electra is he Dude, they were married for like six months. You're crazy. <laughs> it was the first thing that popped in my head. Wow. I haven't even heard Carmen Electra's name since like 2003. Yeah. 
So that was probably the last time I heard Dave Navarro's name before now, too. Probably. Uh, anyway, as we show our age, which is probably not that much older than anybody else, or probably younger than most of our demographic, uh, Habit comes after off he goes because he says ritual de lo habitual. So that means transition to Habit. Um we covered this in Moline, and I talked about not caring for it live then, and I still don't like it live now. Uh, we talked about the screaming before, where it has a point, and it feels right, and, you know, it, it works, and it's clear with the song, but, man, this feels obnoxious. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, it's it's Eddie's execution on this song that either hits the mark or or doesn't, but it creates this divide for me because I could be I could be take it or leave it with this one. But even when I'm take it, I don't love it. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it totally sucks. And I don't think this one sucks because actually I think this one's both. Uh, the band sounds pretty good, and I think it's a pretty tight version. But Eddie doesn't sound good. Not only that, but I don't know if you feel the same way. I feel like I lose all interest with this song halfway through it. Every time I listen to it, hundred percent. Whether it's live or on the album, it gets like a minute and a half in, and I'm like, I don't, I don't care about this song. Yeah, and, it, uh, for the most part, it does nothing for me either. And I, it's it's a garage rock song, and I like garage rock. I like punk rock, but I don't know this. This doesn't hit home, and and even for a long time. I guess I didn't realize that in the middle he said, speaking as a child in the 90s, I didn't even realize that that was a thing. Because <laughs> I just kind of either ignored the song or wasn't paying attention halfway through, like you were saying. Yeah, I feel like my mind has changed on this song. I, I, I did like it, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've noticed that that it's definitely uh, completely up or down sometimes, so I'd rather just not, not have it at all if it's going to be that way. But I did like at the very, very end, the little even flow snippet right before they finish it. Did you hear that? No, I think it's I like it. it's right at the end when they're kind of fizzling the song out. Uh, Mike does the just the main riff of of even flow, but it was cool because it it fit in really well. And um, you know, I don't like it with the when they give away the songs, but this was cool because this felt more of like a teaser to what right. was coming. <laughs> yeah, uh, I. I can't say. I, I just, I think I drowned out again. So Yeah. Well, you know what I wanted to do was, and I think the only reason I caught it was because I, I've, in all honesty, I was going to let this song go halfway through and they were getting to like that, you know, kind of jammy part and uh, I was just going to skip it. But this set so far had had some really cool transitions and I was, honestly, I was curious on how this was going to sound in the even flow going right into it and I wasn't really expecting much, to be honest. I was expecting. Did you it like it or no? Yeah, I did. I was expecting it to be super janky, but he hits that little even flow teaser, and I said, oh, "Okay, that that works. I like that. That that's going to bring it in pretty nicely." I got I got nothing really much to say on even flow. I think it's a pleasure to have in class, and it's not overly special. It does its job and yeah. it does it well. That's... Yeah, I, I I wrote I wrote even flow four minutes that can't be right was it really four minutes it's, it's like four and a half minutes yeah it's it's wow. uh like album version solo and nice and quick sounds good i i guess you're right i i didn't even realize i i actually made a note that i'd even mentioned before that i was surprised that corduroy was five minutes 
because that usually uh, turns uh, yep can turn yeah. into ten. So S- same same with Better Man, yeah. Uh, it just kind of keep keeps the set moving. All right, uh, I we can move on to the next then. I, that's you know we'll cover even flow next week if we if we have to cover it more in depth. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy is next, and this is kind of a, a stretch of a couple singles here. And I think we've we talked about how the single stretch has hurt them in the past, but I didn't find it to be that bad in this in this whole stretch. No, when when it when it got to daughter, you know, I said. It, you know, it's hits time. You know, it's a good time yeah. to set to hit them with some hits. Yeah. Uh, hammer, hammer with the hits and and also get them out of the way, if you want to think about it. Jeremy and daughter, and even Flo, Jeremy, daughter, all back to back. Again, on paper, it's it doesn't look bad, but it's lame. You're going to say to yourself, that's lame. Maybe I'm just going to skip these three songs. But I thought on Jeremy, um, the band is fine. It's not blowing me away. Eddie is just okay. But we've been hearing versions of Jeremy that have been absolutely crushing it. Yeah. Um, but what what I will say is Jack plays the shit out of this song. He's he's hammering away uh, on the drums this whole time, and it's definitely outshining the rest of the band. And the rest of the band, they've all been contributing to some fantastic Jeremy's. This basically the whole time we've been doing this podcast, we've been hitting really really good ones, save a, a few here and there. But this is one of the ones where I feel like they're just playing their single. Right now, it's like, we're they, okay, we're we're promoting a new album, and we have to do Jeremy now, so let's just do it. Let's get it. Let's get it out. Let's do Even Flow, Jeremy, Daughter. Let's let's fucking bang through them. But Jack Irons is like, fuck it, I'm going to play this song <laughs> with my whole heart. And his drumming sounds really good on it. You know, I actually, uh, we kind of, I think we feel a little bit different about this, because I judge it by how ed treats the song near the end um you know how passionate he sounds and i thought he sounded pretty passionate i do agree with that too i i it did the end the end was good i i will say that he that doesn't lose it at all but up to that point it it felt like it was kind of a business as usual uh play the hits type of feel i had from it yeah i i agree with that i i think you can you can tell if they want to play it by the way that eddie does his he, 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 yeah, and yeah. Oh, uh, whatever crap. Yeah, I, I, I thought this was a tight version. I thought it sounded pretty good. Um, yeah, it was, it was definitely tight. Uh, no problem there. I, I, you know, I, I think they're, when you do listen to versions and you hear them throw in the towel, or at least Ed throw in the towel, it's, it's near the end and how high he goes with the screaming at the end. I thought, I thought that he hit everything he had to hit. That was sure. That was really all I had to say. Um, so this goes into daughter, and I got nothing on the actual song. I got stuff on the tags though. But yeah, yeah, I I uh, I just wrote. I said back to back with Jeremy and Evenflow. I said uh, I feel like that's a lot for the crowd to take. But <laughs> but uh, you know what? This... For some people, that's their night. That that's the. Ex- that's true. That's and true. And they got better man a couple songs before. Yeah, so and, and you know we we still meet people to this day where where a trio like that would be enough to just send them home early. To be honest, you're right. You know, you're right. We uh, we, not, we don't associate not, with those people. <laughs> not not saying that like, you know, I'm not talking to like the tag along guy that doesn't give a shit and might have taken the 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 ticket away from someone that could have gotten the most out of it. Because there's nothing wrong with brand new Pearl Jam fans coming into shows and, and seeing a, a trio like that and really being blown away. Because 
we had all been in the same place. It's 100%. it's more, it's more the guy that just doesn't care to be there, you know. Yeah, um, that that's I, what I mean. We we come across people that really don't care to be there, and they're they're fine with the hits. Give the ticket I'll, to give the ticket to a first timer that's really going to appreciate stuff like that. Sure, and I'll I'll go back to my first time. I said you know before the show. I, I didn't know what I was in for. I didn't know what they're, you know, they usually played. I didn't study up on bootlegs. I said I wanted to hear three songs. I wanted to hear Black. I wanted to hear Rearview Mirror. I want to hear Given a Fly. And I think I got two of the three. And then my second show, show I got the other one. Uh, but that's, you know, I wasn't going into it saying like, man, I really hope we hit Sad or, or B-Girl right. or something just insanely different. I no, I wanted I wanted the, the the stuff that that made me love the band. Yeah, definitely. But on the flip side, the first time you go and they play even they play even flow, you're you're gonna get goosebumps. You know, it's uh, yeah, of course. You, you don't expect it, uh, no. but but because uh, you think even flow, you've heard that song a bajillion times. Uh, that fades after a while, but it still has its it still has its charm. Live, I. I don't hate There's it. no such thing as a 10-minute version of Even Flow on an album. So the first time you hear it, sure. you're going to freaking love it. Right. So um, the tags on Daughter are tags that we don't usually hear from Daughter before. Uh, I like the happiness is a warm gun uh, line here. I think mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. You know, I, um, I saw that written down as, a, as it was one of the tags. I totally missed it my first listen through. Because all it is is I, I need to fix them. Going, to, I thought he was going to say happiness. Yeah. This is a long, uh, but uh, I like I like the way he did it because I love that 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 part in that Beatles song. It's 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 one of man. I, I have so many Beatles songs that are just up there on top of my list, and and that's one. Every time I hear it, I think to myself, I'm like, wow, why don't I listen to it more often? It's such a strong. Uh, impactful song. I feel the same way. It, it and it, it's kind of it's kind of like John's version of a Paul McCartney Wings song. I say that kind of <laughs> like if you know, like, yeah, like if 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 wing songs were really good. Well, I, I'm kind of <laughs> saying like you know how Band on the Run is like nine different songs. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> that that's kind of yeah, in a so, way yeah, how we're, happiness we're, is warm. Yeah, what I'm saying is like it's it's if if John had made Wings instead, and the songs were good. It, it, it's the Plastic Odo band. <laughs> um, just go listen to uh, George Harrison solo stuff instead. Oh, I I, I love George Harrison yeah. solo stuff. Oh no, I'm, I'm I'm telling that to just everyone else. Like, oh yeah. Sorry if you're sorry if you're a uh, Wings fan. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> I like Jet. I think that's a fun song. Wings, uh, Wings is like is is comparable to like Swan for me. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad. Come on, <laughs> it's not Audio Slave. We should get a Wings. No, I because I like Audio Slave. <laughs> we should we should get a Wings. But that's what I'm saying. I, I I think it's more like Audio Slave. Let's get a Wings Swan world tour going let's rally for that no <laughs> no i've seen zwan once i will never see zwan again i hope no one ever has to see zwan again yeah that was 
one of the worst live concert experiences that I've <laughs> ever had. Uh, Kelly Osbourne. Yikes. And Ozzy Osbourne was billed to be there, but the only thing he did was come out and introduce Kelly. Wow. She played two songs, got booed off the freaking stage. <laughs> you know, the reason why Kelly was doing the show was probably because uh, uh, the Osbournes was a popular show at the time. I'm so, sure. They do tag a couple other things here, uh, both yeah, Sonic Youth songs, Bullet and the Heather, and Androgynous Mind. I'm not a huge Sonic Youth fan or follower, so I really I don't know those songs that much. Yeah, it's... So. yeah. I, I don't know why. I just I just never really found a reason to get into them, or never was directed towards them. So right. Uh, but um, I can always be convinced. Um, okay, so we're like past the midway point, and um, this is interesting because here we really get a song that is not a midway point song to this no. day, or even back then. Um, so we're going to play it because, uh, if you're listening to it now and realize the way the song is utilized now, you're going to be like, oh, that doesn't make much sense. So here it is. album opener and not only that but you know like we said nowadays this is used as the show opener uh for the most part um this was kind of a surprise here and i thought it worked i thought it was a nice transition uh it was different and it's a talking point and i like when we can go through these talking points yeah you know back then it was or i should i should start by saying now it's a real surprise but back then it's just a it's just a song on the album so they i guess they just have to get it in or they have to place it somewhere and i guess they thought this this was where they wanted it to be placed which coming out of daughter i guess isn't that bad because it is going to pick up but um i mean come on it's definitely not where we prefer it i would it's no. got it's got to be an opener um or or maybe like a cool encore one surprise you know like we said it's it's a surprise song now but i think it back then it was just let's let's place it somewhere because it's new but um yeah i don't know i thought it strangely flowed well here out of the hit block that they did and uh and i'm not going to complain about it because i'm i'm happy to have it and it's short and it's to the point and 
I'm not going to make a big stink about it, I don't think. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not either. Uh, I, I, I think it's kind of... Strange. Like, it's eye-opening, yeah. It's eye-opening, um, sure. I've never been to a show where it hasn't been number one or number two. Right. And for the most shows that I've listened to on bootleg where it's been on, I've never heard it outside of that. So um, uh, I'm glad it was able to work. I don't think it could work in many other situations, but here it did. And um, sometimes it's just good to sort of play around with it and see what yeah. you got. Yeah, switch it up a little bit. Uh, I'm lumping the next two together because really there's not, there's really not too much on Lucan. And <laughs> there's a point that I want to bring up about Lucan into Rearview Mirror. We okay. brought this up. Remember, we brought this up last week that I said that I had heard a transition once from Lucan into Rearview Mirror that was completely seamless. Mm. But here it isn't. You get you get the tease that you like. Okay, so I thought this intro, yeah, I have nothing to say about Luke, and it was well-paced and sounded good. Intro to Rearview Mirror, though, it had the perfect middle grounds of not totally giving the song away and ruining the momentum, slash the excessive repeted- repetitiveness of last week's, where it was like... It wasn't anywhere it was like close. It was like play the fucking song <laughs> that's how it was last week um but yeah i mean rearview mirror was super tight here um picks up a lot of speed at the end there's really nothing wrong with this rearview mirror at all at the same time though we have had much better because this is a perfect version of rearview rear mirror while at the same time being very very run-of-the-mill um and i i hate the spot I do, I yeah I, I disagree with the spot especially what comes after I thought things were a little uh, you know juggled out of place a little bit I'm, but I'm, um, I'm glad you said that because I'm gonna bring back something I talked about with with this being tough to rearrange but yeah so you uh, do you hate the spot of rearview mirror because of what comes after it or do you hate what comes after it I no I don't hate what comes after it I hate it because man rearview mirror when you're this late in the set you can do i would have been okay with it if it was right before alive and then closing okay but this late in the set you kind of have some space left and i think got it's a lot weird. of space left yeah it makes it feel like because the song is so different when you hear it live than uh the way it's on the album it makes it feel like it's sort of a cover of their album version mm, okay I, I uh, if, yeah I agree I agree with, me on that. I I am that makes perfect sense yeah so uh, you know decent version I think the line I used here was my stock my socks stayed on it did uh, not knock my socks off I was wearing socks when I listened to it they were also on at the yeah. end of the song yeah and and that, that, that's not it's not a bad thing at all it's, no 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 but it's uh you know what? It kind of fits the set, though. It's they were, you know, they they just kind of played the songs back then, and they would jam here or there. But as you've said before, I think we're a little spoiled too. So it's it's yeah. good to go back and and see how they played the songs back then. Pretty much how they were played on the album, and and they played them very well. I'm not saying that the songs weren't played well, but they've just uh, evolved to these new heights. You know, right, right, and and even we've we've seen versions of rear view mirror where they you know before this in 93 and 94 where they have 
extended it and you know went crazy in the bridge but maybe it's it's because of the placement that they didn't do that but that's kind of why i have the problem with it because i think that you know i think it always should be placed in a spot where you can do a little something extra with it yep. and i agree uh, they sort of put themselves in a position where you know they they didn't allow themselves to do it now that, that was a little disappointing but right, right. it the weird thing is is this into immortality okay so it is very weird but to go back again it's tough to think of how to rearrange this set because it'll kind of go off the tracks a little bit and then it'll feel really good with another song and then it'll go off the tracks again, but then it brings it back with another grouping that's pretty good. I really, really like Immortality here. but I like the song. Rearview Mirror before it is very awkward. So this is another... And uh, Okay, so the outro on Immortality here is, is one reason why I really like, I like it here, because it goes into a live, and they play the hell out of this outro, and Jack is crushing it on these drum fills and this kind of mini drum solo he has um the song the whole thing before it sounds great the intro sounds awesome but the ending is i don't know if you picked up on this but it is like totally won't get fooled again no i didn't pick up on it i'm gonna have to listen to it again listen to it again and just think of won't get fooled again you're gonna you're gonna hear it immediately because it took me a minute i'm like this sounds like something what the hell does it sound like and it sounds like they're they're not playing Won't Get Fooled Again, but it sounds like Mike is doing things like, ooh, this works here, uh, you know, right. this kind of thing, over Jack tearing up the drums. And I'm like, yo. That part I can see. That That's, that's at least for the ending part, that it kind of has that vibe where you can go a little bit crazy like they do yeah, in that yeah. intro. So. So, so I fucking love Immortality here. And it just shows that rearranging the set is very difficult because it should not be here. And rearview mirror was weird in front of it, but it, when you come out of immortality, it's like, wow, that was amazing. Yeah, I had nothing wrong with the song. I, I just, I, I, I don't know. I think it just it it dips in and out of of just pacing way too much. Uh, you know, daughter sometimes Luke and River Mirror immortality a lot. Like after River Mirror, you should have went into Alive in the porch and 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 let it be. But I don't know immortality into. I don't hate immortality into Alive. I just think that it's not smooth. I think a lot of this isn't smooth. Right, right, especially on paper. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and it could be a little bit of what we were saying before, a little bit of just kind of taking what we know now and and adding it to to the bunch. But back then, songs are kind of kind of songs and they go where, you know, they want to play it and don't really have a perfect spot for it. They just kind of insert and, and there it is. But, uh, you know, it just it's 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 small critique. And I don't. Yeah, I didn't I didn't recognize you know how crazy it got at the end but um i never really hate immortality anyway what i do want no, want to know what i do want to know is that intro they that they do do that intro a lot like uh um, the little jingle intro yeah there. yeah yeah i i always I, I i didn't think that that was a 90s thing that they did i thought that that was more of a recent thing that they started splicing in so that it just it threw me for a surprise to hear it like that 
get into the last two songs of the set here. Uh, Alive, and you can tell that this is an older version of Alive, the way Eddie sings. Of course there is. Yep. There's no gleeful sarcasm. Nope. Not only uh, that, but it's a uh, it's, uh, super standard performance. I mean, I don't want to discredit Alive and, and even flow on, on this episode, but... Honestly, they're uh, they're straightforward, and uh, we've had better, we've had worse. So, I pretty much said the same thing. It's run of the mill, decent, sounds fine, won't over excite me. Yeah, uh, I'm sure people at the time were excited to hear it, but like, it's not it's not like the end is so um, crazy climactic that the crowd is chanting "Hey!" at the end. Exactly, that doesn't happen here. It's just kind of it's another. It's kind of like a cover of their album version. Yep. In a way. So. Yeah. Uh, and it brings us to the end of the set. It's Porch. And it's like Fast Porch in the sense that they don't do the stupid riffy intro. Appropriate but, intro. Right. Appropriate intro, but definitely more of today's Porch pacing. Not fast, fast Porch. Yeah. It was it was paced well. It Jack held it down and and it didn't get away from anybody and it was it was I thought it was great. I think my favorite part of the song and I do want to hear it uh is Mike's solo. I thought he fucking nailed yeah. that solo uh in the beginning there. Um and I want to hear it because we don't we don't end up playing porch a lot because it does um sort of there are a lot of similar porches out there and we just sort of kind of want to spend time on other things, but I yeah. think that this solo really stood out in my mind and I'm just like, you know what, we haven't played Porch a whole hell of a lot, so this this is a good opportunity to just play something that sounds really good. So why don't we do that? first times in the night that I felt there was a song that felt above average that felt like they were taking it to a different level that really screamed you know who they are nowadays yeah I mean we, we said it all well paced sounded good perfect spot for it I did a little bit of research on the on the Pete Townsend tag here uh, and I I, I didn't even notice that yeah, I, I came up with a with a couple cool little tidbits actually that that actually really tie it into Pearl Jam and and it's I, I don't know if it's a coincidence or what, but um, so he's saying you know dance it away in the middle of the of the song there after the solo, uh, dance it away is a 
a song by Pete Townsend off of his album, All of the Best Cowboys Have Chinese Eyes. And um, <laughs> that, that means like uh, the American film hero, you know, um, like cowboys, uh, Clint Eastwood, John Wayne, you know how they would squint their eyes and, um, all, you know, like that. Still a little racist. It's a li- yeah, yeah, uh, the 80s, you know. But uh, what, what's interesting about this is, uh, and maybe this led into why they did it this way, that song actually wasn't on the album until the 2006 reissue. It was a, it was a B-side. Pete Townsend, in fact, would use this song as a tag himself after apparently playing Dancing in the Street. He would tag it with his own song. Hmm. Tis WMA. Yeah, basically. I think uh, John Entwistle played bass on the st- in the studio and it had been developed from live jams on, on stage when Pete was, was touring. Uh, but apparently, I, I had read it, it, it was very similar to The Real Me and I guess it needed to, uh, to have some reworking. So they recorded it. In the end, it became a B-side, wasn't put on the album, and then they would just tag with it, which I thought was was kind of funny. And then in 2006, it finally went on the album as a, as a song. And I, I, I love the song. You should all go listen to it. It's called Dance It Away by Pete Townsend. Really fun. It is Pete Townsend to a T. I mean, this is like a... This, if you think Pete Townsend songwriting, this is exactly what that is. Just, you know, poppy 80s Pete Townsend. I just thought it was hilarious how it started off as a tag in its own way. And, and then they tagged with it. Hmm. Yeah, I... I didn't even recognize the tag to begin with, and you know what? I had gotten confused because there were a couple sites that listed "Dance It Away" as as a track, and oh. uh, and so John Farrar had sent us the bootleg for this, and I said, "Hey, John, I'm missing "Dance It Away," and he was confused. I said, "Yeah, the Pete Townsend song." And he said, "No, Porch is the last song," and I'm like, "Huh?" So I listened to it, and that's all it was. It was it was just a tag, like an improv jam. Hmm. So I guess maybe some some setless sites had need, yeah, need to be re- revised because people, some of those, yeah, some of those are just they, they don't know what tags are. Yeah, not a lot of bands do tags. They, you know, I, I don't know. Well, what had got me interested because I I saw it listed, it had piqued my interest because someone had written that it was a Pete Townsend song. And then it went into a porch reprise, and I'm like, "That's oh. really, that's really interesting." That's that's, that's not, not what it was right. at all. P- yeah, people, no. you'd think a lot of Pearl Jam fans by now know <laughs> the difference between a tag and a song. Yeah. Uh, and then not only that, but a snippet. I think this, I would, I don't know. This this might have even been a snippet for me. Go listen to it, uh, and go I'll, listen. Yeah, and, I'll have to and, listen to and, it again. And, and go listen to uh, to Pete Townsend's song too because it's a lot of fun. All right, uh, and John. John, uh, sorry for the confusion. <laughs> if you could tell, you I was emailing you before I had listened to the to the uh, uh, track. So well, you didn't uh, get it yourself. We, yeah, we figured it out. <laughs> uh, Olay chants are filling the arena after the first set ends, um, and they know Stone is about to sing because he introduces himself and says, Hi, I'm Stone. I'm going to sing one for you. And it got a very tepid reaction. <laughs> um, Mankind as the encore opener, I love it. I love it. it. It's I awesome. I love it. It, sure. it. it kicks right off with the drum fill intro. And you know what's funny? It was just different enough. Like having Stone sing to open the set, it feels right. Yes. It feels good. Yeah. It, it, it's it's a change of pace and it, it kind of involves the rest of the band and, and Stone's always pretty happy when he sings anyway so mm-hmm. um, I have it on my list to play okay good and we get two 
two two weeks in a row where we get stone songs. <laughs> so uh, let's do it. week that don't give me no lip had a lot of attitude and personality from stone that i had also mentioned didn't come from mankind as much as we would have wanted uh but i do think this version of mankind's pretty good he's uh you know sometimes i guess he sounds like he's just bored when he sings mankind but this time i I thought he put a lot of emphasis into it this time yeah, you know, if you throw Mankind into a set one somewhere, it's going to come off as a little bit of a lower pace, especially with how the vocals are, especially comparing that to, to Don't Give Me No Lip. But if it's starting off an encore here and the band plays it really poppy and, and at a good pace, it, it works great. It, it's really, it shows you how different the song could be. Even just a stupid song like Mankind, not saying that Stone or the song is stupid, but I, I mean, just this quick, easy song. It shows you how it could transform when it's placed differently, and and I love it here. I thought this was so cool. Are you ready for my first of my crazy comparisons? Yes, I am. Finally. Okay. All right. Um, you were a fan of the Muppets as a kid, right? Uh, you know, I I I was, but I don't remember really anything about it to be honest but okay I, I think i remember watching it with you actually <laughs> oh i i was i i, I like the show as a kid and i yeah as yeah. an adult well you know I, I still like the characters and such um sure. but do you remember the character scooter oh of course yeah okay there was a time where scooter because scooter wasn't like a performer and he wasn't like gonzo or, or fozzy uh he was a stage manager so then there was a point where Scooter <laughs> and he kind got, of, and he looks exactly like Stone. Well, this is where I'm, <laughs> this is where I'm, this is what I'm getting at. Um, <laughs> Scooter at one point he was like, "I'm going to try this whole performing thing." So he plays his own song, and it's him playing an acoustic guitar, and it sounds a little off. Like almost like he was he had been practicing it for a couple weeks and really, you know, wanted to prove that he was part of the gang um, by playing it. And it's out there. I'm going to post it to YouTube as like a preview for the show. (laughs) Um, But it reminds me so much of Stone. Yeah, there it looks like it was 
<laughs> modeled after Stone. <laughs> exactly. And, and we're not saying that Stone is bad or that he's on stage and he's, and he, well, he is awkward, but in fantastic, wonderful ways. But it's more like Stone has just this really specific personality, I think is what we're trying to say. And then when he takes lead on something, it's like, yeah, it's it's like he's a Muppet. I guess. Pretty much. I if, Now, if you were to say that the whole band were Muppets, um, Stone would be Scooter. I mean, Eddie has to be Kermit. Um, All right. Matt, Matt has to be Animal. Yeah. He's a little, he's not as crazy as Animal is. Animal, Animal was based off of Keith Moon. Right. I believe. Um, I mean, Boom is Rolf or, or Dr. Teeth. <laughs> Boom can be Dr. Teeth. Um, I think Jeff is kind of Gonzo-ish. Or is Mike Gonzo? I think. I don't know. Uh, no, no. I think Mike is Gonzo. Jeff is Fozzie. You think Jeff is <laughs> <laughs> So is, would Jeff be considered the funny one? Sure, why not? Yeah. Uh, okay. Sure, sure. I don't know. They, they both, at different points, it seems like they have like Gonzo-ish hair. I, I <laughs> I don't know. I I, I I can live. I can live with Mike being Gonzo, though. I think that's pretty. Fun. I think. I think it is. Yeah, I, I like that. Or right. uh, or uh, can Mike be Elmo? Maybe kind of running around, uh, <laughs> just being crazy. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know what to say about that. Um, I think we've made some really excellent points here. To be honest, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm glad that one went over well. Uh, it did. Because it did. That was great. The, ne- the next comparison is going to come in with the next song, and I think I think it's just as good. It's a lot oh, different, but back to back comparisons here. Pretty much, okay. I lumped I lumped once and State of Love and Trust together because I really okay. I listened to once and and I was like very normal and and fine, and I listened to State of Love and Trust. And I said very normal and fine, and I couldn't think of much else to say. Right. So I actually looking at my notes i lumped them together just in a different way um once i said it's kind of been a while yeah i I guess so yeah and then you know this encore is of course completely different from what we know today and but uh i love this i love this here i love this after mankind and i love it before state of love and trust because it's like this is this is the the feel i i got from it um this doesn't feel like an encore in the beginning this feels like pearl jam played a show and then left and then you immediately get to see another Pearl Jam show right after. This doesn't feel like an encore. This feels like a second show. Mankind is that. a great opener. Once coming right after it is fucking awesome. State of Love and Trust drives that point home. It's killer. This isn't encore one. This is show part two. Now I feel bad about my next comparison because you oh, really like this stuff. No. It, it, no, it's it's this whole show to me is straightforward. It's average it's not bad at all um and the way that i'm i i, I kind of said it it's like plain pizza and no, i know i i agree i just think this encore one here is the intro the, the whole thing is is a, a a highlight for me okay yeah all right that, yeah. that's fair I, I look i i maybe i'm just listening to the songs and i'm just saying you know i've i've kind of heard and covered the stuff before, so it doesn't sound too much different. I didn't have anything wrong with them, and that—that's why I'm gonna—I'm gonna dig into this. Well, it's—it's it's like the—it's like the—you don't have anything wrong with plain pizza either, you know. It's, that's exactly what I'm saying. Plain pizza tastes but it's plain, good. But it's plain pizza, you know. <laughs> this, it, as I elaborate here, 
I like plain pizza. Sometimes I'm in the mood for plain pizza. But this show isn't the plain pizza from your, like, number one pizza place in town. It's like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. It's from, like, the third best pizza place in town. The one that your friend brought you to that one time because it's closer to his house. So you've gone there and you kind of know it. And it's an option if you're around. and But it's never your, like, first choice to go on a Friday night. You're perfectly okay with it when offered to you, but yeah, and it's and it's not one of those dumpy pizza places with the poor lighting and the cracky crust and the creepy delivery guy. It's perfectly acceptable and suitable. Yeah, this isn't like uh, Little Caesars here, but it's also not no. your it's also not your your top quality mom and pop type pizza made with love and care. Right, it's uh, it, it, it's, it's Connecticut pizza. It's <laughs> <laughs> Connecticut pizza's fucking. And I'm sorry for anyone out there if you guys if anyone out there really likes um, Little Caesar Pizza, but we're we're talking as New Yorkers here, and um, yeah, I'm pretty, very picky. I, I don't know. Yeah, you, you really can't argue with us on that. I, I I I'll take something back about Connecticut Pizza. I actually like Connecticut brick oven pizza is is really good, but that's what Connecticut is kind of known for when it comes to pizza. I'm just a fan of doughy crust. Yes. So when I think doughy crust, I think of, you know, it's not around anymore, but the old Geno's that we used to have in town, uh, that was, that was my pizza. That was the pizza that I grew up with. And that's, you know, around what the perfect slice is for me. Yeah. This, this set is definitely missing the, the doughy crust. Maybe, maybe some, some pepperoni or some meatballs or, uh, right. But not, not everything has, uh, but it's not, but it, yeah, but it doesn't, but it doesn't taste bad either. No. It does not. It does not. It's it's perfectly fine. It's listenable. It's, uh, you know, I, I, you know, it's fine. That's 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 that that is pretty much that. Um, all right. I got I got nothing else on those two songs though. Nope. That was nope. that was that comparison. It didn't hit as hard as the first comparison. But that, that that's no okay. I, no I, I I totally agree. All right. Okay. All right. Um, Present tense comes afterwards, and I actually I really love this uh, slow build on it. Um, it sounds like it could be even slower than the album version. It sounded like a live version instead of just a play it like the album version, you know, or not, right? Not not like it wasn't it wasn't like totally out of the realm, you know what I mean? But it was yeah, I thought it was nice. I thought it was really nice, and I'm uh, I'm happy to have it. In any set, I don't care where it is. <laughs> they didn't go as intense in right, right. the harder part as as we love now, but it sounded fine. Yeah, it sounded fine. I, you know the the build. I thought it was nice to just hear the slower build. You know, it, it's not that slow anymore. It's it's more sing songy now. Right, right. So, um, so that goes from present tense into smile. Uh, I want to I want to play smile because for a lot of you old old time fans there old schoolers, uh, you'll know this version if you got the Christmas singles back in the day because this was on the nineteen ninety six Christmas single. Yep. Um, it's got a pretty sweet harmonica going, it's got, and yeah. you know, figure nostalgia purposes. Uh, let's give it a let's give it a spin.
this is good. This is a good version. I have, I'm happy to have, pleasure to have in class. The harmonica, the lyrics, the vocals, the bluesy riff, just this version all together. The performance, the energy of it, everything. You're going to say it. it sounds like something, aren't you? No. Okay. All right. Listening. This would be awesome as a send-off. Uh, I'm not saying that I don't love getting blood. And I like blood here. I like blood ending. And, and the, the end of the night is great because we've talked about how we'd like to see that and, and, uh, and how cool it would be. But I would kill to go to a show where they close with smile and you walk out. Well, once, you're, once I get things worked out with your brother and get a date for him to come back, maybe that's something we'll talk about. Which show is that? Greensboro... 2000 oh yeah and uh that was basically the first thing he told me he said that was the only time i'd i'd even known that they closed the full show with smile yeah so it's happened before it's got to happen more i agree i agree i think that's a cool way to end it where you know basically he's singing to them i miss you already i miss you always kind of like how we end the show right so that that's perfectly that's original on our part by the way and we didn't get that from the song i i yeah i totally agree with you i think i think it's a really good send-off um you know there's not much better way it's kind of it's it's sing-alongy but it's not like uh i don't know I, i i don't really know how to explain it in that sense but neither, um, neither do i yeah but it, <laughs> it feels when it feels right it feels right and you're you got something there yeah um but we have two more songs left here it's uh blood after smile um uh, i i think it's fine but uh, they, they tag fame on it i like the bowie tag and you know i'm not going to complain about that nope um, but the thing, it goes on for a while at the end. It does. It does. Yeah. Screaming. Hey, a lot. Uh, and that, I don't know. I just wasn't into it. Yeah. You know, I guess he's feeling it towards the end there and they're, they're closing it down, but right. It's, yeah, uh, it, yeah, it wasn't my favorite thing to listen to, I guess to put no. it, put it nicely. Yeah. You know. The rest yeah, of it was not, fine. The rest of it was fine. It, it, yeah. It just started to drag a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, that's I really wasn't taking much notes at this point anyway. Um, uh, but speaking of closers from No Code that aren't usual closers, that um, even we chose as a closer, that's Just why I really want to get into this. Out of pure curiosity and to switch it up. Uh, yup. <laughs> this has only been closed with three times. Um Four, if you went to and listened to our wish list set creation show. That counts. Um, that is official. Damn right it does. <laughs> damn right it does. Uh, here it is, closing a show with Around the Bend.
putting a little bow on this because we kind of started the show talking about the sound checks and around the bend was the only song sound check that they actually used in the show and they had to wait a long time before they got to it I, it was smart for them to to sound check it that way i wonder if that was their idea in mind was to close with it man i don't know why they 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 just aborted this yeah it i don't know it's you know there are going to be more shows than not that are led better shows there are going to be other shows that are in different shows but there can be shows that end with a lullaby I mean, I think this. I think this serves the exact same purpose as Indifference does. Mm, indifference, no, I disagree with that because Indifference is more. It's more getting your frustration out and like you know, the, I will scream my lugs out till it fills this room is such a a powerful line and a powerful moment in the song that at the end it's kind of your your last chance to to get something out at a Pearl Jam show. Um, you know, Ledbetter is just, it's put your arm around your buddy and just kind of enjoy the last moment. But Around the Bend is, is you know, there are shows that could use a lullaby at the end and, um, you know, kind of put you, put put the show to bed. And I think it works. I, I don't know why they won't do more often or haven't done it since. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I, I feel like Indifference and Around the Bend kind of, I feel like they go hand in hand better than... The, the two of them compared to Ledbetter do, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I get your point. I think there are three totally different songs, but I get your point. I thought this one was performed just okay, though. I thought in spots Jack dragged it a little bit, and then you know, he was super tight in spots, then he was a little too free and open with it in others, and it kind of it, it broke up the tempo, it broke up the tightness, and, and small critique. Though. I mean, it, as a whole, it was good. I can see how it can be a tough song to play live because Yeah, you got to really be on top of the tempo on this one. Yeah. And, uh, you have the the opportunity in a lot of spots to get lost a little bit. Right. Yeah, I I I've heard it where the pacing's been off a little bit before and it just didn't work as well, but I you know, I I didn't think that this was the worst version or egregious at all. No, um, no, no, not at all. It's a but... nice nice way to end. Yeah, it, it wasn't terrible. It was, that's more me nitpicking than anything, just because I, I didn't really have anything else to say about it. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Figured it's, I, I, it's the last song. I gotta, I've got to find something to say about it, right? Yeah, that's. I, feel, I, I almost feel bad that I didn't have enough to nitpick about, and that's why I just said it's like plain pizza from your third pizza choice in town. Yeah, and, and I really listened to this to find things to nitpick about because it wasn't crazy it wasn't why it, it wasn't wild and crazy basically so i'm like okay maybe i could just nitpick the hell out of the show but i couldn't really even do that no it, and again it's tough to tell without the visuals you like right, it right. sounds like they have enough energy it sounds like they're into it but yeah, they're it tight. sounds like yeah it sounds like it's just another day's work it doesn't sound like punch in punch out type thing yeah it doesn't sound like it's they're ready to erupt an arena and bring i don't know uh this like heavy energy to it 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 just felt it felt fine it felt like everybody was there and everybody was concentrated and and they did their job yeah but i mean it's you can't fault them for doing that and and it it is a good set i mean there are you know, little speed bumps here and there, but it's 
It's good. I mean, I don't yeah, really know what else no, to say about there's it. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. I think, I think it's 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 our first it's our first dip into '96, and when we look into these eras, um, you know, while not every show is the same, it has similar vibes. Uh, you know, I keep saying that 2003 was the year that the vibe completely changed. It was the year that Eddie really started to break out of his shell and kind of become human on stage yeah. a little bit more. Um, and that's the year, you know, that we'll be doing way more shows from 2003 this year than than others at this point, or 2006. I really like that year, too. But, you know, I don't know how much more I'm willing to go back in the... I'm, I'm glad we did something from 96, but I'm just not... I'm not sure how much I want to go back into 96 at this point. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's... It's fine, but we've done a real lot of no code, and we've done a real lot of the songs beforehand, which is fine. I, I think maybe we just need to wait a little bit to make it feel fresh again. Sure. Maybe it just wasn't fresh to us. If we, if this was like our fifth or sixth show that we had covered, and we, you know, it was exciting to talk about mankind, and it was exciting to talk about around the bend, then maybe maybe we'd have a different feel of this. But you know what? We're going to rate the show right now. Um, I'm rating it based off of everything that I heard. And I don't think that... I don't think that my mind would change. I I think that it was pretty ordinary. I want to hear your rating first, though. I don't want it. It's a tough one. it's, It's real tough. It's, I mean... I feel like a six is too low. I feel like a seven is too high. I feel yeah, like that's that's exactly where I am. I feel like a six and a half is is just <laughs> dumb to give, but I think that's where I got to land. I think I got to land six and a half because because uh, listen, I, I've I've had a, a lot of different slices of plain pizza where I'm like, well, that's an easy six, six and a half. I'm full. It did the job. Would I go back to the pizza place? Probably not. You know. I'll give it six and a half. Yeah, that's exactly where I am. I don't think it's bad, bad enough for a six, but I don't think that there's anything special where I can push it over the edge and be a seven. And even with the sound check that we talked about, that's what this may, makes the show. It's kind of why we did it, so we can talk about the sound check. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't push it over the edge. Six point five is really good for this show because it shows that they were there and they were, you know, they were straightforward and they were playing everything right. Um, it just, the flavor was gone. It, 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 what's what's that gum? The zebra stripe gum? Oh, yeah. You lose the flavor after like a minute? Juicy fruit, yeah. Such oh, a, God. Such a waste. God. But, and I used to love juicy fruit. Oh, yeah, so totally. You know, it's like, it's like, because I really love this encore one, so it and and encore two, if you can call it that. So let's say the end of the show. It's like you go to a pizza place. The pizza was just fine, but you wouldn't go back for that. But their garlic knots were banging, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> you have to give That's it good credit. Point. You have to give it credit for that, right? So it's like that. You go back for the for the extras, but the the main course is is not anything to really write home about. But it it right. satisfies you. For the time being, basically, is is what I'm trying to get at here to 
to expand on your analogy, which I really like. I like that. We should try to use that more. The, the pizza place theory. Yeah, the pizza place theory. Yeah. Okay. That sounds like a, <laughs> like that. that sounds like a good T-shirt idea. We're gonna yes. Come out live on four legs pizza place theory. Uh, oh my goodness. <laughs> what about like one of those um, circle graphs where not a pie graph, but it, well, that would work. You got to make it a pie graph now. <laughs> wow. Shit. But um. <laughs> no, but I'm thinking like the ones like what kind of show does this fall into and. It has like the circles around the circles. I yeah. don't know what kind of Venn diagram or something like that. I, I don't know what those are called. <laughs> I obviously didn't pay attention in, in middle school, but I don't know. Maybe maybe there's something we can do about that. Um, yeah, we're both at 6.5s, and guess what? We have no stories, so we can uh, we can go to a very, very important public service announcement for you right now. Live on Four Legs is happy to present a weekly podcast dedicated to the Pearl Jam Live experience. While we try to get ourselves to as many shows as possible, we have only attended a small fraction compared to the entire live history. That's why we need your help. We want to get to know who you are. If there's a live show that you've attended that you'd like to see us cover in our program, please send us an email at liveonfourlegs, that's the number four, liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com. We want to know your entire live experience. Did you once miss a flight? Get lucky in the 10 Club Lottery? Catch a white whale? Your stories will help us mold this into the best podcast it could possibly be. You're already getting to know who we are. Now it's time for us to know who you are. Uh, I would like to stress that um, that public service announcement is extremely important um, because, again, like we we kind of looked into the show. I asked, I had asked people on Facebook, uh, you know, looking to cover something from 96, what do you suggest? And this was a suggestion that was thrown out. Uh, I believe by John and we kind of took it because it was, it was unique it was something different um, you know I, I want to find things that stand out as much as I want to find good stories that people have um, but man you know we have a lot of stuff that we have planned but plans change the card is subject to be changed so Please, if you have ideas for shows, even if you don't have stories necessarily say, but you have bootlegs that you really like, that you really listen to, and you have suggestions, throw them out there. Because uh, we're, you know, at this point really willing to listen and, and really shuffle things around. Because we weren't, last week we weren't even confident that we were going to do the show, but we ended up doing it and it was fine. Yeah, uh, John, no, I, I definitely appreciate uh, suggesting this show I think we needed something that was a little easier to listen to because we've been diving into some crazy stuff. So, yeah, this one was easy. It was it was short and sweet and to the point, and uh, it, it, we didn't have to really rack our brains. And 
we didn't have to go crazy with stats and stories and and you know all that crazy stuff it was nice to just sit back in the car and and do my do my errands and just listen to a what was a super run of the mill but well played pearl jam show and i i definitely i think i i just my brain needed a break from like thinking thinking yeah thinking. as i listened i was just able to listen to it you know our last handful of shows have had months and obviously if you've listened to them they've been close to three hours they've had major topics uh involved um that you know things that we haven't covered yet and next week there are going to be things that we haven't covered yet uh on those too um and you know we we did moline and that covered a lot of our bases with with no code and that was pretty fresh and pretty recent so you know to get kind of the progression from the no code era into um into where we are today and how they play the no code songs i i think it's it's nice to see and obviously jack is is a very important facet of that um but you know um i think i think that uh i think it's more exciting to do later shows sometimes because your your arsenal is more stacked right you know what I'm saying? Like you do a show from 2014 and you have all the B sides, you have all these different covers, you have all these different albums and, uh, some from 96, you know, when you, when you've been covered, when we, we, we released our, uh, live footsteps, um, uh, stats this weekend. Uh, I said I wouldn't do it until we hit 20 shows and, uh, we have the first four albums completely covered. So there's not a single thing we haven't covered off of them. Right. I think that the first, I think Yield is the first, the first couple, a couple songs off Yield we, we haven't done. And, and, you know, we still need to do a bunch of binaural and a bunch of riot act. So we're, we're, we're going to get to all those, but we're not going to pick songs based, uh, pick shows based on what songs they play. Cause that doesn't really, make for a consistent show so. <laughs> we don't want to cheat yeah no way maybe a little bit there might be some swaying going on <laughs> uh yeah i that but look um you know give us your ideas and if you feel strongly about it and can convince us we'll uh we'll put it in a good spot and we'll get it on the show and if you would like to come on the show with us we are like constantly looking for guests but we're constantly looking for Patreon donors as well. Um, who, which, who we have so far have been absolutely kicking ass lately. That's what I'm saying. Like our Patreon donors have made this show special. Um, Do you want to come on and kick some ass with us? You can. That's a hell of a tease. <laughs> yes. Um, but not only that, uh, look, you know, we, we, are making promises that I hope we can live up to with that. Um, we want to provide way more exclusive content on the Patreon account. Uh, we, we did our new year's Eve show from 92. Uh, at some point this weekend, I might put up a poll, um, to see if you guys want to vote on the next exclusive. I have two in mind. I was thinking maybe we try to get an exclusive done mid February. I thought, I thought it might be I've, cool yeah. to do. That's a good idea. I'm I'm down with that. Um, sort of entice you guys to to see if you you know 
if you're interested in that kind of stuff and 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 we're look we want to ha- have more people on and talk uh talk to more people so let's uh let's do this let's you know go to our patreon account i just search live on four legs on patreon we're there i don't think any other show is called live on four legs um and donate uh we take monthly donation whatever you guys feel necessary whatever you guys want to do it can be from a dollar to five dollars to ten dollars to a hundred dollars it doesn't matter to us we love you all just the same we thank you all just the same uh what we're going to do is if we i'm going to I do owe some people shirts and like Patrick, I think I'm at, I, if, if I end up seeing Patrick at Mumford and Sons in March, I think I'm going to give him his shirt then. Cool. Um, so that'll be kind of fun. Uh, maybe we'll do like a live video from the, uh, the arena or something be like, Hey, you definitely should. Yeah. Yeah. That would be kind of fun. Um, let's see. What was the other thing that I was going to say? Uh, but, some of the bootlegs that we have, uh, I was thinking that for anybody that signs up to our Patreon, we'll give you a little gift and we'll send you, we'll send you through Dropbox. We'll send you a, uh, bootleg of one of the shows that we've done. We don't have, there's some of the bootlegs that like, don't ask for this show. Cause this is kind of a, uh, it's not an official bootleg. It's, it's like a soundboard bootleg. So, uh, you know, ask for stuff like Amsterdam and Grand Rapids and Camden and those kind of things we have official official bootlegs for. So, um, yeah, well, uh, that'll be part of the prize pack package as, as a thank you. And again, come on, help help us uh, get another guest on the show. Help us uh, cover some more Pearl Jam. Give us some more insight into the band. Yeah. Um, is that it? Anything else? Uh, I, c- I can say that next week's episode is a Patreon guest episode from across the pond. Across the pond, yeah. Across the pond and beyond. We have Live on Four Legs super fan, and I, I, I don't exaggerate when I say this. He is Live on Four Legs super fan. He's probably all the podcasts, all the Pearl Jam podcast super fan. Oh, yeah. Aurelian. Aurelian. Um who I've asked if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And he said, yeah, close enough. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's, it's either Aurelian or Aurelian. Uh, not that I guess I said it right. I don't know. Um, but uh, he, he's from France and he's uh, we're going to, we're going to test it out before recording with him, but he's uh, he hopes that his English is okay. I think it's going to be fine. If he speaks any way close to how he he writes, he's going to be fine. Cause he, he, he writes in better English than I do. Um, but he's going to come on. We're going to do Milan 2014. We're going to do something more recent. So that should be fun. It absolutely will be. I can't wait to, to talk to him. Cause we, we talk to him all the time and he's, yeah. a, he's a great dude and he's been there from the beginning. So, uh, I'm sure he's going to be enthusiastic, which is going to make us enthusiastic and, can't wait. Yeah, uh, same here. I'm very excited to have him on. And um, we're kind of on this uh, little groove here of doing one show, just the two of us, and then one show with a guest and going back and forth, back and forth. So uh, hopefully we get to do that for a little while, and hopefully we get more more guests that we can gather to come on. I have some ideas, and I have some people in place to come on. Um, so, again, 
if that's something that you guys want to do, head on over to our Patreon account, donate whatever you can, help us out, and you get some exclusive content. We'll send you a bootleg. We'll send you a T-shirt. We'll we'll be nice to you, and then uh, you get to talk about yourself and the band. Not much better than that. <laughs> You've listened to Patrick's show. You've listened to uh, to Bradley's show. Those are great shows. I think that, that that's it. That's anything else. Uh, Super Bowl prediction. Rams but, fifty, Patriots zero. Look, dude, let's. God willing. <laughs> uh, you know that there's a version of Better Man right now that's can't find Edelman or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I haven't listened to it because I won't. But yeah, no, fuck the Patriots. Yeah. Hope they lose. Hope they all retire. You know, average, average non-New Englander that lives in New England who has to <laughs> deal with this stuff constantly but all right if that's all we got and that's all we got so we it might be the end we're here but not for much longer although we may be parting ways i miss you already i miss you always for live on four legs the live pearl jam podcast experience matt and randy if this is your first time listening if this is your last time listening we thank you and bid you good day Bye. Very day I purchased it, I christened my guitar as my monophonic symphony, six-string orchestra. In my room I practice late, they'd leave me alone. My mother said you're nothing yet to make the folks right home. And so I dream a bass will join me and fill the bottom in. And maybe now some lead guitar so it would not sound so thin. I need some drums to set the beat and help me keep in time. And way back in the distance, a horn would sound so fine. And we'd all play together like fine musicians should. Music and the music would sound good, but in my